0: Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrubin, author of My Jewish Year.
1: And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School.
0: And we're two very different Jews arguing about the same Torah together. Hello, Dov Linzer.
1: Hey, Abby. Sometimes we do agree.
0: Sometimes we agree, (laughs) but rarely. (laughs) Why is this day different from all other days? We are in Korach.
1: Correct. Let's translate it for the viewers. Well, Korach is a personal name, and he was from the tribe of Levi and— A rebel. a, A rebel. Gathered together 250 people and came and challenged the authority of Moses and Aaron and said, why should you guys be the leaders? Other people deserve to be the leaders.
0: So they're on their way to the promised land, and there's kind of an insurrection here.
1: Exactly. And uh, the end of last week's Parsha, Shalach was the sin of the spies. It was decreed on them that they would be 40 years wandering in the desert. So everything that the people had been hoping for, you know, everything that the exodus had been about, their whole lives had been directed to going into the promised land, and now they're told they are going to die out and only their children will see it. So right before
0: Korach, mm-hmm. we had a Parsha where the people got some pretty sobering and surprising news, which is that Despite all of their miraculous escape from Egypt and getting through the wilderness, they're actually never going to see the promised land.
1: Correct. Explain that. Moses sent spies to spy out the land, Uh, 12 spies, one from each tribe. Twelve
0: spies went in and 10 of them came back with very negative reports.
1: Correct. Correct. And that there's no way we can conquer it. It's filled with giants. Not just their normal complaining, because here they were rejecting the land that God had promised them. So the the response was, then you won't go into the land. This generation will die out, and only your children will go into the land.
0: So in a way, they're being punished for their pessimism. The fact that they've given up
1: on God. Their lack of faith.
0: Their lack of faith. They're not believing. And Correct. the reason why we're revisiting that Parsha is because I think it's important for the context for Korach. So there's already kind of a backdrop of, despite the fact that you all are, in a sense, becoming more autonomous and making your own society, um, we're slapping you down.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a tremendous sense of despondency and of losing everything that they had devoted their lives to, that they had been hoping for. And one could imagine that that also led to a crisis of faith in the leadership, or the potential of as I think, where Korach steps in.
0: Okay, good. So that's our, our good background for numbers. We're going to sixteen one. Now Korach, and I'm not going to read all of this, but it's the son of, son of, son of. He gathers this group, and I'm, I'm quoting again, to rise up against Moses, together with 250 Israelites, chieftains of the community, chosen in the assembly, men of repute. They combined against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. For all the community are holy, all of them, and the Lord is in their midst. Why then do you raise yourselves above the Lord's congregation? When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. So let's just take it there. So they're basically saying, Who died and made you king?
1: exactly and it's also this egalitarian message everybody is equally holy so why you and why should anybody be the head of us but in a way it was like a populist message but really with a very non-populist goal he wanted to be the king he wanted to be the ruler but he sort of did it by by this message that would appeal to everybody
0: and when moses falls on his face that's what i think you know particularly strikes me first of all it's dramatic and second of all, it's really kind of unlike Moses a bit. It almost feels like defeat, enervation. Like I right. I have done everything I'm supposed to do and it hasn't been easy. And This has been a long journey and I didn't ask for this leadership role in the first place and now I
1: have a mutiny. Right. I'm totally with you. To me, that's such a powerful scene, you know, rather than sort of responding, let me see what God will say or saying, how dare you, which he sort of says a little bit later, the fact that he's like totally paralyzed, and I think it's almost like a gut punch, you know. You've and I certainly have experienced this in my professional life. You give hundred and ten percent, you're self-sacrificing. All you're doing is for the people you're serving, and then they come and say, "Yeah, like you know, a they're ungrateful, and b it's who died and made you king." Um, so I'm playing I think the that violins just, for you right now, though Oh, I'm sure. You've had such a hard work. <laughs> uh, Yes, anyway. <laughs> It's okay. I survived. I survived, but I probably had some of those Moshe moments of yeah, like, like thankless, right? Thankless and questioning your position altogether. Um, and I think it just leaves you stunned and speechless.
0: Yeah, and ultimately they're pretty much severely chastised, right? There, there's not a lot of tolerance oh, for yeah. this.
1: <laughs> I mean, the earth opens up. Yep, there are two very dramatic events. One is they bring incense. Um, And as we know from an earlier story, you know, with uh, Aaron's sons, where they brought incense improperly, a fire came down from heaven. So this is almost a pure setup. Moses says, hey, if you want to be the priests, go bring incense. And a fire comes down and consumes them. And then another faction, which probably were the ones challenging not the priesthood, but Moses' political leadership, the Torah says that the mouth of the earth opened up and swallowed them, some type of an earthquake which sucked them into the very bowels of the earth.
0: But ultimately, that is, seems to me like the takeaway for me is that you just do not dare challenge either God's plan or God's messenger. It's pretty clear here. Mm. There's nothing admirable
1: about Korach and his guys. Right. Uh, that's a really good question. And I, I wonder if it's about the content or about the approach. Meaning, if somebody had come and respectfully questioned certain aspects of the leadership, uh, I don't think it would have gotten this response. We know people came to Moses and questioned other things. You know, there's an event where just in two parshas ago, we were discussing the paschal sacrifice, and the people say, Why should we be excluded just because we were impure? And Moses asks God and and he resolves their problem. So I don't think it's questioning. I think it's attacking, which is the issue. That's at least how I would like to read it.
0: And I guess what resonates for me, too, is the fact that Moses is disappointed in his own people. Like, he was disappointed when they built the golden calf, mm-hmm. uh, when he came down from the mountain. Like, seriously, you couldn't even wait for me. I told you I was coming back. And then they're fetching in the desert constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is, there is a sense... They're not learning, in a sense, from their own deliverance, or they're not absorbing the gift of it. They just keep seeing its deficits. The glass is constantly half empty.
1: Right, but I wonder if, I agree with that, but I wonder if the other person who's not learning is Moses— You know, how much is Moses not learning from the fact that he's on a different level than the people? He's right up there with God. He sings everything in absolutes. He can't tolerate human fallibility and failings. So everything is met with a certain type of a harshness. So I think that there's definitely learning that Moses has to do as well.
0: In a way, you're saying that we have to, and as parents, this is certainly true, Mm. we have to kind of not just honor, but be patient with our kids' kind of defiance
1: or questioning of our authority.
0: It can't be scorched earth when they disappoint (laughs) us or
1: challenge us. Right. Absolutely. And I'm also thinking about it from a perspective as a teacher. We were actually just talking before we recorded this episode that I used to be a pretty harsh teacher, very exacting, and I've sort of mellowed with the, the years. And I think that it was somewhat of this issue, like understand where your students are coming from and, you know, and don't always hold them to an impossible standard or to your standard or whatever it might be. You know, there's a beautiful scene at the end of the Parsha where Aaron's staff and the staff of all the tribes is brought into the tabernacle and Aaron's blossoms forth with flowers. And to me, that is always a metaphor that leadership can't be with the staff, like it can't be with the harshness. It has to be with something that cultivates a sense of growth and of beauty and that that's really the leadership that we need.
0: So let's leave with the flowers. I like that ending instead of <laughs> instead of swallowing the people into <laughs> into
1: the into earth. the earth and burning them alive. Right, we will have the fla- a leadership that leads to a flowering. I choose flowers. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Abby. <laughs>
0: Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dov Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, parshainprogress at tabletmag.com.